With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 148 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? Uh, JP, I'm good. I am uh, I'm doing well. It's the holiday season, man. I'm excited. You got any big plans for Christmas? Are you going? Are you staying there? Or are you going to Tulsa to see your family there? Uh, we will do Christmas Day here uh, uh, and then head to Tulsa the 26th and be there till the 30th. Okay. Yeah, I saw my family today, met halfway in uh, Wichita. My family's from Kansas City, so I was able to see them for a couple hours. It just doesn't make sense uh, with my work schedule to get up to Kansas City for Christmas. My wife's family lives in Oklahoma City, so I think we're going to go there for a little bit. For the most part, we're just going to kind of stay around here. It's our first Christmas together, and so we want to spend as much time just the two of us as we can. It's very nice. You enjoy that. Enjoy that. Before we get into the big conversation, I just have, do you, what kind of tr- Christmas traditions do you guys, does your family celebrate? Like, like, is there any like kind of big stuff that you guys have to do every single year? Not really. Like we do Christmas Eve with her extended family. Um, now that we have Pippa Christmas morning, will be at our house every year. Like we're doing it here. Good call. Uh, we'll go to her parents afterwards. Uh, and then we'll head to Tulsa the next day. But as far as like specific tradition, I mean, other than visiting family, no, I mean, we not really like, honestly, like we, you know, we have, uh, so this is a thing people aren't really going to know what it is. So just bear with me a second. Uh, breakfast on Christmas is Chris- is a chocolate gravy. I know that sounds weird. Um, it's an Arkansas and Southern thing. I had never heard of it until I met my wife. It's really stinking good. It's, I, it's, it's, it's like chocolate pudding with the consistency of gravy, which sounds weird, but on a buttered biscuit is damn good. Like it's really stinking good and you'll never understand it until you have it. Yeah. When I go to Oklahoma city to see my wife's family, I think my mother-in-law is making that like biscuits and a chocolate gravy. So I'll have it for the first time on Christmas day. So I'm, I'm pretty excited now that you, you talked about it so highly. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, it's a, it's a thing. Like I, there's a, uh, in Oklahoma city, there is a diner that is, I forget the name of it. And it's it's biscuits and gravy are a marquee part of their menu in OKC. And I'm going to have to find the name of it. I feel terrible for it. Um, but they have all sorts of gravy on the menu. And they have chocolate gravy. That's actually the first time I had it. And I was like, all right, this is pretty solid. But then you come like here and like her mom knows how to make it. Like that was part of – we did our rehearsal dinner. We did Brenner for, for our rehearsal cool. dinner. Good call. Thank you. Uh, and, of course, we had we had white gravy, but we had chocolate gravy. 
And so I'm like introducing all my Oklahomies to chocolate gravy. My brother who's a chef in Tulsa. was like, I'm going to do that recipe because I'm going to go like do that one, <laughs> one of these times when I make a menu. And I was like, mm-hmm. it just sounds so odd, but it's really stinking good. Yeah. The, the main traditions of my family is that we always, we decorate uh, sugar cookies on Christmas Eve and then, nice. we, go, and then we go to midnight mass. Uh, which is super cool if you've never been to anything like that. It's a very, very cool thing. And then get up in the morning, you do all the Christmas stuff, and then after dinner, watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Just a, it's a it's a good way to end the night for sure. Very cool, very cool, man. All right, let's let's get into the, the meat of this podcast here. So we thought we were just going to do a bowl preview here when we were starting to kind of plan things for this episode, but then some news dropped earlier this week, a couple days ago, Casey Dunn, the wide receivers coach for Oklahoma state uh, left. And now he's going to be the offensive coordinator at UNLV joining former Oklahoma state running backs coach, Marcus Arroyo, who was named the head coach there. So you lose Casey Dunn and that absolutely sucks. Uh, He's Mm -hmm. been such a great recruiter, great developer of talent, great coach, uh, just a great guy to have on staff. One of the, the longest tenured assistants Gundy's had, the longest assistant Gundy's had. Uh, he's been there since 2010, I believe, 2010, 2011. Well, other than, you know, Coach Glass. Oh, oh, right, right. I forget that technically Coach Glass is on staff. That's correct. But, yes, yes. But yeah, but he was, you know, associate head coach last year. Maybe people thought that he was going to be the offensive coordinator, but now he gets that opportunity at UNLV. Uh, Phil, what are some of your thoughts here? Obviously, this is a really tough, a guy to replace uh do you what what are you thinking here well yeah i mean first off it's one of your longest tenured guys uh, i wouldn't say casey dunn is the best recruiter on the staff um and that's not a shot at his recruiting i don't know that he's the best recruiter but i do think he's one of the best evaluators of talent um and he is the best guy to get the most out of what he brings in i when i say best recruit here's where i get tricky on recruiting like we say we evaluate best recruiters because it's the guys who bring in the highest rated guys sometimes i think where we should look at recruiting is also because just because you bring five five stars in well like good job for you like also where are you recruiting to like alabama like okay good job um but there's also something to how good are you at evaluating guys that are going to work um, in your system and, and for you and at your school. And we got four, we get four star wide receivers to come in, but I mean, this guy coached Justin Blackman in his second Blitnikoff season. Uh, he turned James Washington into a Blitnikoff winner. He turned Tylen Wallace into, I mean, let's be honest, a Blitnikoff if last year had, you know, cared about stats, which they didn't last year. Um, if you, if he had finished the season out, he would have been a finalist again because, but he was on pace for another great season. Like you throw in Marcel Aitman and <clears throat> yeah, this guy has been an integral part of Oklahoma state football for a long time. So that's a big loss. It really is. Like I, it's not easier to place this guy. Like we're going to talk about candidates and they're going to find somebody to be the wide receiver coach. And, and we'll talk about possibilities and, and what they should look for in a minute but it's not going to be easy to replace this guy because of how much he's meant to the program for so long and you've known and even i mean yeah there was a dip between blackman and, and washington of having a guy of that caliber but you still put out guys every year that you knew could go catch it could go get a thousand yards right like he yeah. just talent evaluator and developer of that talent 
There's not many guys like Casey Dunn. You may say that there's better wide receiver coaches. That's fine. I I would be hard pressed to, unless you find a guy at a program that's able to pull five stars in on a year to year basis. I'm not sure there really is many other wide receiver coaches in in football as good as him. Yeah, th- there's something to be said for being able to recruit and get five stars to your school, right? That's that's a big deal. But I look at a guy like James Washington, I think is a perfect example of what you said. A you know, just a guy that recognizes raw, incredible talent and then can develop that into something elite. I think James Washington was a two star coming out of West Texas. And I think uh, no, he was a three star. Was he a three? I, I couldn't yeah, remember if he was no, a high two. James Washington was a three star. Either way, like he didn't have many offers. And he comes to Oklahoma State and immediately the impact as a freshman, you see it. And then sophomore, junior, senior, like he's becomes the best wide receiver in the country. I think he that's a perfect testament to what Casey Dunn provides as a an evaluator talent and a recruiter. And you know, he definitely got a good one. And, you know, it sucks to lose a guy like that. To lose Casey Dunn is you know, it's a huge blow because you know how much he means to a program that, you know, brings in great wide receivers every single season. Um but you knew he was going to get his opportunity to be an offensive coordinator uh, at some point, and he got that. You know, I'm happy for him, wishing the best of luck. But yeah, it definitely sucks to not have Casey Dunn on staff going into 2020. Dude, so first off, um, looking at James Washington's 24/7 profile, he was a three-star wide receiver. He was ranked as the 95th wide receiver in the country based really? on the 24/7 okay, com- composite. Okay. Uh, now. Um, 24-7 itself had him much higher. Apparently they had – now it has him listed as a four-star in the number 37. I don't know about that. We'll see. I'm sure it wasn't that high. He had three offers, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas State. And Texas had some interest. So that tells you oh, – you know, also they had a position listed as a cornerback. <laughs> as a corner. Oh, as man. a corner. That's funny. Anyways, um – I know there's people who's mad and just want to sit here and go, why didn't you name him OC? You should have named him OC. You should have just made him OC. And that thinking is wrong. Uh, because there are a lot of people who thought the same thing about Arroyo. You should have just named Arroyo the, the offensive coordinator so he'd stick around because he can recruit so well and he does so well with the running backs. It's not – that's not the right mindset to have. You can't just promote guys because you're afraid you're going to lose them. Okay. Um, he wanted to be OC. Gundy wanted somebody different. Gundy likes uh, Gundy has done a really good job of bringing in offensive coordinators. Um, you, whether you like Yersich or not, I don't really care. <laughs> He's probably about to be the new offensive coordinator for the University of Texas. <laughs> uh, I like Yersich. That's just it's just funny to me. Um, I they did everything they could to keep him outside of naming him OC. I'm fine with the fact that they didn't, and it sucks that he's leaving. But look, we, we let's, let's let's just put the joke out there right now. This is perfect. Uh, Arroyo is the head coach at UNLV. Dunn is his OC, and in three years, when Gundy retires, they'll all just come on back to Stillwater and take over the program. <laughs> I'm kidding, but yeah, yeah. And then so there's also Dunn, but then there's also been rumors about Joe Bob Clements being the a candidate at, at DC. I haven't seen anything else about that. Has there been any more developments there that you've seen? I uh, all that I've seen, I, I believe I saw, and, and I wish I could give people the right credit, but I forget. I read so much stuff during the day. Somebody mentioned that he, it's believed that he has interviewed, but that that that's just it's part of the process. Um, but he hasn't been named. There's no. He's a leading candidate. Just that he was a candidate. They've they've spoken. 
Um, so it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't blame Dunn for leaving. It's just, he wanted to be an OC. Um, if Joe Bob Clements wants to go be a DC, I don't blame him for leaving either. I don't want to touch. I'm not going to do coaching rumors. Who should we hire? Blah, 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 until they're gone. So um, Joe Bob Clements has been a really good coach. I hope he sticks around. If he gets an opportunity for defensive coordinator, good on you, man. Good on you. Um, the Dunn loss hurts. It does. It's not easy to just replace a guy of his caliber. Um, but Gundy has lost good coaches before and, and, and found solid replacements. So uh, I, I trust him in the recruit in the, in the hiring process. Look, every hire is not perfect and some work out and some don't. It's taken him forever to find an offensive line coach that works. Um, but he's, he's pulled in a lot of good, good people in a lot of good positions. So um, I, I trust that he's got a process here. Yeah. So, since Casey Dunn actually has left for UNLV, let's talk through some potential replacements. I know you wrote an article about this. You you have five mm-hmm. candidates uh, that you have thought of. So let, let's run through those real quick. Who did you have on your list? Um, so my list starts uh, – let me just say this. I don't have a, a specific pecking order uh, because I have different reasons I like each one. Uh, but I like I like four of the na- – I like three of the names on my list. Um, one of them is one I just, I like the idea of, I think he would work here. One of them is just trying to think outside of the box because Gundy tends to like to make outside of the box hires. Um, and then I have two other ones I'll throw at you because I think they're, I really, really heavily considered putting them in this. Um, but I didn't, I wanted to keep it at five. I don't want to put 10 candidates like it after, after five with stuff like this, it just gets a bit ridiculous. Um, we'll start with John Simon. Wide receiver coach at Memphis this year. He was also the passing game coordinator and the recruiting coordinator for Memphis. He's his coaching tree. He goes back to Arizona State. That's how he knew Norfell. He was the running backs coach there. We've seen Gundy like to bring guys who've coached one position and, and, and can coach multiple positions and handle stuff like that. Um, I think he's solid. I think he's a solid recruiter. Um, I think they Two of Memphis's uh, top three recruits in this class were both wide receivers, including the number four ranked Juco pass catcher. Um, I like him, I think. And and look, let's just put this out there. Mike Norvell, one of the reasons I like him so much as a coach, and now that he's down at Florida State, brilliant hire by the Seminoles. Go look at his coaching staffs the entire time he's been at Memphis. They get poached left and right. People want to take his assistant coaches because he hires really well. He brings in smart, capable guys, and those guys all seem to be continuing to succeed. At some point, Mike Norvell's coaching tree, like go look at people who have worked for him. I think they're going to have a lot of head coaches and a lot of guys who are succeeding in college football. So if this is a guy that Mike Norvell likes and wants to make your passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach, and and recruiting coordinator, I I feel really good about bringing him to Stillwater. Um, So that that would be number one. Number two would be David Grew. uh, It's the wide receiver coach at SMU. Look, just watch the SMU offense this year and look what they did. Um, look what look how well they did last year. Um, the James Proche, first team all AAC pass catcher there at, at SMU. This guy's Grusman coaching him up, doing a really good job. Um, there he's landed some nice wide receivers there for SMU. He's got stops at Cal and TCU. So, you know, we want to touch more on the West Coast. He's been out there. He's established in the state of Texas. I think uh, I think I like that option of trying to bring him in. I'm gonna I'm gonna save the I'm gonna save the the fun the one that I really hope happens just just for fun. Um, Tyron Carrier is the wide receiver coach at Houston. 
He came over from West Virginia with Daner Holgerson. Um, he's the guy who coached up David Sills and Greg Jennings. Um, he did a solid job recruiting. I think his what he did at West Virginia with the wide receivers there, I, I really liked a lot of the wide receivers that played at West Virginia. I think it's a guy that knows the Big 12. He's obviously worked out in that area. He's worked in Texas. He's from he, – he, uh, he played for Houston – um, if he's interested in getting back in the Big 12, I don't think that he – I think he likes being with Holgerson. I don't know that he's a guy who's going to want him to leave Houston, but I think he's a guy that Holgerson might kind of have moving up in his program. But he's – I think he would be a nice candidate to look at. Um, obviously, he knows the state of Texas. He knows the Big 12. And and look, when you coach up guys like David Sills and, and, and Gary Jennings, who were two really, really good wide receivers at West Virginia, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take note. Um, two guys I didn't put in, uh, step is the wide receiver coach at Arkansas. He, if he had not been retained by Arkansas, he would have been my number one pick guy is a lights out recruiter, lights out recruiter and, and a darn good wide receiver coach, um, new head coach there at Arkansas retained him. Somebody was asking me about him on Twitter and my response was, look, I just, I think Oklahoma, I think Arkansas would outbid OSU to keep him. So I don't think he's an option. Um, I also, if you want to go younger, there's a guy named Kirby Moore, who's the brother of Kellen Moore, who's currently the wide receiver coach at Fresno State. 24-7 has had them, him in their 30 under 30 for two years in a row. There's guys to watch on the coaching trail. Um, he played at Boise. He coached. At, he was a grad assistant at Boise. Coached at Washington. No, he was a grad assistant at Washington. But anyway, anyways, he's been at Washington. He's been at Boise State. He's been at Fresno State the last couple of seasons. Done a really good job there. Uh, I like the offense at Fresno State. I think he's a guy, kind of a wild card to look at. I'm gonna skip Lorenzo Joe. He's a offensive quality control coach at Oklahoma State this year. It's his first year with OSU. He's a Texas grad. Played our receiver there. I think he's a guy to. He seems like a guy who's going to kind of move up the ranks somewhere. But um, let's talk about the name I really want to talk about. And when when Dunn, the news that Dunn got hired came out, this was the first name that popped into my head. Same. <laughs> this is the exact guy I'm thinking of too. I want Rashawn Woods back in Oklahoma State. For those who don't, if you're too young to remember Rashawn Woods at Oklahoma State, guy was – before Dez, before Blackman, before Washington, before Tylen Wallace, it was Rashawn Woods. Okay. Rashawn Woods owns the record for most touchdowns in a, in a single game. Is it, is it, was it seven against SMU? It I watched se- it. Game. It was seven. Yes. Yeah, I think it was yes. seven. Uh, Rashawn Woods caught the, was it 2000, was it the 2001 Bedlam game? He caught the game winning touchdown. I believe that. Yeah. I think yeah. that sounds right. To pull off the giant upset. Um, this guy is a legend in Stillwater. Um, his NFL career ended due to injuries that just derailed it. He he did some coaching, but uh, let me just explain when I say coaching. He's been coaching high school football in Oklahoma for a while now. Took over a shitty John Marshall program and turned them into, I believe they won a uh, they won a state title, and they're just they go to the playoffs now. Like he turned them into a winner. Okay. He built that program from bad to really dang good. Now he's trying to do the same thing in Enid. And Enid is a smaller school, small student body. It's not a big one. He's trying to do the same thing. I think he could probably succeed. The guy knows Oklahoma. The guy knows Stillwater. I don't know what he's like recruiting, but I get the feeling he's probably good. If you're a successful high school coach, that doesn't mean you're going to be a successful college NFL or college head coach. doesn't always mean you're going to be a successful college coach. But guys – 
who can coach can coach. And someone who can build a program that was awful into a winning, consistent playoff program, that guy knows how to coach. He knows how to talk to kids. I think Rashawn Woods is a perfect, perfect fit for the Oklahoma State wide receiver coach. Like I just – I have no doubt he can go sit in the living room and convince a kid that they should come to Oklahoma State. I have no reason to believe that the, the people in Oklahoma know him. He's got relationships all over the state. That is good for recruiting. He knows and understands Stillwater. I want Rashawn Woods to be the wife because eventually I just want Oklahoma State head coach Rashawn Woods is also a thing that I would be fine hearing in about 10 years from now. But um, I think Rashawn Woods is should be – that's who I think. If you call, look, call Justin Step at Arkansas. If he can't, if he says no, fine. Um, I would call John Simon, but I I'm calling Rashawn Woods and going, do will you take the job? Um, because I think it would be a, I think it would be a perfect fit. I think it would be a slam dunk hire. Yeah. When when I found out the news that Casey Dunn had left, the first dude that popped in my head as well was Rashawn Woods. I was like, and I, you know, I, I was too young to really understand and watch Oklahoma state football at that time. But I'm, you know, I've been an Oklahoma state fan my whole life. I, my dad talked to him about, I've done, you know, research and I've watched video of what he did at Oklahoma state, man, he was special. Uh, And, you know, when you have the, the, history of wide receivers, at least in this century at Oklahoma State, you know, he's one of the first names you've got to think of as well. You know how good Blackman was. I know how good Dez, you know, James Washington, all that. Rashawn Woods is still really, really freaking good, man. And, you know, the numbers he put up and the games he had, like, he's got that pedigree. Oklahoma State fans would know him. They love him. He he could, I bet he can go into a room and convince any kid to come to Oklahoma State and play wide receiver because he knows what it takes to play wide receiver at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would love that hired. Is it realistic? Sure. Do I think it'll happen? No, because Gundy doesn't take the obvious route when it comes to hiring receiver coaches and coordinators, right? So nope, he doesn't. And he doesn't like to hire. Now, let's say this. He doesn't, outside of Glenn Spencer, there's not a lot of guys that have been like promoted or moved up with, from within. Right. He, but my argument would be this he likes guys that will stick around. I feel um, like Rashawn Woods would stick around. Like and that's kind of my thing. Like Josh Henson is a good offensive line coach. And part of the reason they got Josh Henson was because Josh Henson was from so well, they thought he would stick around, but A&M just offered him so much money. And I think he was a little bit mad. He didn't get the OC job. So he went to A&M. Um, I think Rashawn Woods would stick around. I, I think as long as Rashawn Woods point. does a job, I think he would stay. And I, Gundy needs to, I've been doing a lot of look, I've been doing some stuff for recruiting. Um, Looking at some numbers, looking at so the age of the coaching staff, which has even if you take out Gundy and and Glass, who've been here since day one, the age of this coach coaching staff has is at its highest it's ever been right now. And I think they need a little bit of a youth movement to help out in recruiting. Um, we can talk about the fact that recruiting is not as bad as everyone wants to talk about. I know the rankings that aren't great. Um, if I told you in the last three seasons that the average Rate, not ranking, the average rating. That means how players are rated by 24-7. The average rating of the classes the last three years would finish first, third, and fifth among all of Oklahoma State's recruiting classes. Now we can nitpick about what 24-7 is like now compared to 2005 because I went all the way back. But I, I do think they're doing a decent job of recruiting. But there's something to youth can play a big role. Um. 
I'm not trying to say like older guys can't recruit. That's not it at all. Some of the best recruiters in the country are old. Sam Pittman got the job at Arkansas because that guy can recruit his ass off. Yes, sir. But that guy is old. He's an older guy. And that's, so that's the whole point. I want to, I don't want to be ageist here, but there is, I think Gundy needs a bit of a youth movement. Rashawn Woods would, would be a good hire there. I think I just, there's plenty of really good candidates. And that's the thing with position coaches like this. Like I, it's, I think it's pretty easy to find good position coaches that can recruit it. Sometimes it's, I think some, I don't think it's that hard. They're there. Can you get them to come to Stillwater? Um, because if you can, you can do it. Everyone I've listed that I think is a good recruiting. I think is a guy, a good recruiter and a good coach. But man, God, I just, I just want Rashawn Woods. Like that would just be fantastic. Did you know that his offensive coordinator at John Marshall was Ozzo Pogi? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, this was why when time. we were doing offensive coordinator, when they were doing offense, who should be the next OC when he hired John Gleason? I think I put it in my list. I had Rashawn Woods just for fun. Like this feels, it, it, I didn't think Rashawn Woods was going to be the OC at Oklahoma State. Um, this feels much more realistic. But the, my joke was that if you bring him in for OC, since he doesn't know how to coach quarterbacks, you can bring Ozzo Pogi in to be his, to be the QB coach. Um, but yeah, Ozzo Pogi was his. For those who don't know, Ozzo Pogi was a quarterback at Oklahoma State. Go look it up. It's not good. Um, bless not, his sweet not pretty. <laughs> not that's pretty. What, that's why when I heard people say that Spencer Sanders was the worst quarterback since the 90s, just look that guy's name up real quick. Like, you never watched Ozzo Pogi. <laughs> God, I feel so bad saying that. But I want Woods. Like, I want Rashawn Woods. I I think it'd be a slammed up higher. I don't know if he'd be interested. He may like just being a high school coach. But if he's interested – God, man, maybe I I have a hard time thinking he won't be a good recruiter. Yeah, man. guys that win, guys that can turn a high school team from terrible to good. Unless you're just getting an influx of awesome players, you're a motivator. You know how to communicate with these kids. You know how to get them to buy into things. Those are qualities of a good recruiter. I just I think he would be one. I think he just showed. Let me show you my highlight reel, and then let's talk. <laughs> yeah, just just put the s. Just pull up the SMU game the minute that he gets into the house. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my pick. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. I think anybody on this list would be would be good and you know a great recruiter at Oklahoma State. But Rashawn Woods just ha- it it has to be the guy. Like it w- it would be awesome to see. And like I said the guy loves Oklahoma State. He knows Oklahoma State. Knows what it takes at Oklahoma State. Like. He checks all the boxes right now, so that would be yeah. that would be a great fit, and we'll see how things unfold over the next you know few weeks here as the coaching search rolls on. Now we're going to talk about the Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M coming up on Friday. Before we do that, we'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. All right, Philip, it is Texas Bowl week. Oklahoma State taking on the uh, former Big Twelve, Texas A&M Aggies. This is going to be a fun game. I'm excited. Oklahoma State's a touchdown underdog heading into this one. Uh, this is going to be a you know, Spencer Sanders is back. Apparently, we're going to see both quarterbacks. Funny how things come full circle uh, yep. from August. Yeah. But what what are some of your thoughts on this game? What do you want to see from this game? Um, a win. <laughs> I'll take that. I love the sound. Um, just succinct analysis there. I'll be honest. Um, I. I we've talked about this briefly, but if if I could ask for anything, I'd ask for the the 2014 Cactus Bowl. 
I just want to see them go out, be creative. You've got if you're going to use both quarterbacks, use them both. And I don't mean like you get this drive, you get this drive. Stick them both out there. I want you to show up in the red zone. Both of them be out there and just be like, well, let's put them both back here. Let's put Chuba in. Let's throw. You know what? Just just let's throw uh, a couple other guys in the back. Right, let's just mix things up. I want Gleason to go full on Princeton OC on them and be like, all right, stop them. Just do it. Stop my insanity. If there is any game for for to let Sean Gleason just go full galaxy brain, it's this game right here. Just let him just in the in the words of the immortal Les Miles, just let her rip. Yeah. No. I, I look. I just wanted to have fun, and that was the thing about that. Gundy is nine and four in bowl games, <clears throat> and where Gundy thrives in bowl games is in bowl games like this. Lower tier bowl games against teams that are supposed to be better than them. They will throw it into the wind and let it go. You look at Missouri last year. You look at the the, uh, the catches bowl in 2014. That was a Washington team that was ranked, had like three NFL defensive backs on their roster, and Oklahoma State in the first half just put it on them. I, this is a good spot for Oklahoma State. Well, that's not a shot at AM. I know we make the best 7-5 and five team in the history of football joke. It's a good team that beat up nobodies and lost everybody good, but it's still a good football team. And Oklahoma State might be the most evenly matched team they faced this season, which is why I think it'll be an interesting game. But I just just let it let it go. Like let it rip. You have there uh, there is no nothing on the line for this game, right? Winning the game gets you to nine wins. That's awesome, but it's not gonna it's not gonna make anybody feel any different about next year. It's not going to make anybody feel better or worse about Gundy. Um, there's nothing about this winning or losing this game, other than maybe getting curb stomped or blowing it out just for fun, is going to make people just have a different feeling about the state of the program or next year. So just go out, rip it all, and 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 have some fun. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see OSU just go. <laughs> uh, hey, Houston recruits, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so if there is so we, I want to see the two quarterbacks on the field. You want to see it too. If there's oh, one so much. fun thing you want to see from the offense, what is it? I mean, I, I seriously just the, the fun thing is I want them both on the field. Like yeah. that's the whole idea. That was the thing he did at Princeton. Lies you'd have a play with three quarterbacks on the field at the same time, yeah. and it just kind of went what? Like I, I, I need. Some red zone insanity. Like yes. the OSU is not great in the red zone. So don't be conservative. Pull some crazy shit out of your ass. Yes. Like have some fun. Uh, why can't I, what's the tight end's name I can't think of? Um Jelani Woods. Thank you. Give me a backfield of Spencer Sanders, Drew Brown, Jelani Woods, and Chuba Hubbard. And just <laughs> And just, just you know what? What are we going to do? Who the f- knows? Somebody might run the ball. We might throw the ball. The person we handed off to the first time might throw the ball, and then somebody else will run it. Like, I don't care. Just go have some insane fun. Throw some looks out there that just make you go, what? What are you? Are you confused? Oh, that was on purpose. Well, okay, bravo. Good job. 20 yards, touchdown. Okay. So I have a different idea for my backfield with Jelani Woods. And it is, it involves him at quarterback. And then you have Logan Carter and Dayton Metcalf on either side. 
and LD Brown. Have fun, defenses. Yeah. Either that or I, either that or run like the big gulp formation that uh uh Washington State pulled out there a couple years ago, where mm. the center was like on the right hash and the quarterback was lined up in the center of the field. <laughs> Just, I just want him to have fun. Yeah, that, there's, there, have to me, fun. like, yeah, it, it. There's two goals for this game: let her rip on offense and get Chuba to two thousand. And I know you want to talk about the run defense a little bit because AMS had do. a good run defense this year. But as we've dug a little bit deeper, and we talked about this off air. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little veiled in just the overall per game stat uh, that we that we, you see at the end of the year. I'll let you go into your point here. Yeah, it's kind of so they they are they. The AM defense allows 129 rushing yards game, which is really good. It's really good. But it's also really up and down. Like it's really inconsistent. So looking at the five best rushing offenses they face this season, that'd be Clemson, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, and Georgia. Clemson average is 252. AM gave up 121. That's awesome. Uh Georgia averages 189. AM gave up 97. They've held Clemson and Georgia to roughly half or less than half of their, their average rushing yards game. That is impressive. That's a really good run defense. Um, Ole Miss averages 251. They hit 250. Mississippi State averages 226. They hit 239. Auburn averages 211. They hit 193. Okay. Well, but then you throw in like, okay, so Texas State, they ran the ball for eight yards. They got eight yards. That is stupid impressive. They averaged 76. 77. Like I realize that eight holding any team to eight yards rushing is pretty impressive. It is. Um, I also think AM like, you know, plays their starters and secondary into late into games like that. Uh UTSA averages 162. They gave up they got 93. It's good. They're really good against bad teams and and inconsistent against the good ones. So with plenty of time to prepare, the thing for me in this game that changes this game. The rush the running offense was not what it was without Spencer Sanders. Chuba didn't do as well at the end of the year, but that's because teams were literally just loading up to stop him. Like that's the whole point. That's all they did was like, all right, well, we're just not going to let Chuba break one off. Like he might get 15, 20 yards, but he ain't going off for 70. He ain't going off for 40s and 50s and things of that nature. We're not going to let that happen. And they didn't. And he was still Chuba, like no, I mean, he was good for a normal running back, which is what was so funny. It was like, like he actually did well, like in, in Bedlam in West Virginia for an average running back, but not for Chuba. With Spencer back, it opens things up so much. And I want them to get creative because I want Chuba to not only hit 2,000 yards, like I want to make sure he keeps the, 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 the I want him to finish with the most yards at the end of the season. Jonathan Taylor, because he got a bonus game, is only like 30 yards behind Chuba. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, see, because Jonathan Taylor's so good. Jonathan Taylor had an extra game. I don't want to hear about it. I don't, I don't want to hear about what he's done for his career and other bullshit. I want, I want Chuba. Yeah. So Chuba has 19, uh, 1936. Jonathan Taylor has 1909. It's 27. 27 yards. Get Chuba to 2000. And get Chuba the 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 crown. I want Chuba yeah. to have the most yards. He has to have the most yards. I do not want Jonathan Taylor to freaking pass and be like, see, everyone said Jonathan Taylor was the best one. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Okay? I don't. And let's let's they have the same number of rushing touchdowns. 
Chuba's got one fewer game, and he literally has 10 more carries. So let's not act like Jonathan Taylor's yards per carry is so much better. Okay, so I don't want to hear like that crap. One more, like six point four to six point three or something like that. Yeah, it was a career. It was a career achievement award. The Doak Walker was a career achievement award. Yep. The Heisman was a career achievement award. I don't want to talk about the fact that they have a better offensive line. Like, don't even, don't, don't even. All right, so just don't. Win. Yeah. So let's. Let, do you want us go into predictions for this in any capacity, or do you yeah. have any more thoughts here? I will. I will say this. Um. Uh. And I'm going to mispronounce his last name because I don't follow AM that closely, so I don't I'm not. Um Texas defensive lineman, Texas and defensive lineman. Justin, I think it's Matabuki. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh he is declared for the draft. He will not play in this game. He is the team's sack leader. He leads the team in tackles for loss, and he leads the team in quarterback pressures. That's a big loss for AM's defensive line. But there's still a really good defensive line, but that's a big loss. You lose the guy that leads the team in sacks, tackles for loss, and quarterback pressures. That that'll play in it. That'll make an impact on your team. So um, that's good for Oklahoma State. Very good for Oklahoma State. I don't know that anybody else is not playing for AM. We'll see. But you get Spencer back. They lose their best defensive tackle. Um, you should be healthy. She was had a break. <laughs> Chubas had some time off to rest, stretch his legs, get ready to run. I I am excited for this game. I'm weirdly I'm way more excited for a game against a former Big 12 foe that's played in the state of Texas than I thought I would be, but I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's it's going to be a ton of fun, and I loved. It was so cool seeing. Uh, I'll go off on just this quick tangent here about Chuba, but it was so cool to see him get honored and do the the puck drop at the Edmonton Oilers game the other day. Oh yeah, and part of that was cool because they played the Pittsburgh Penguins, who's my favorite hockey team. And one of the guys at the puck drop, Connor McDavid, who's the best player in the NHL right now for the Oilers, is ridiculous. And then Evgeny Malkin, who's my favorite player for the Pittsburgh Penguins, were all in that picture. So it was pretty. It was pretty cool to see uh, not only she would be at the game, but for the Oilers to do a little th- little thing for him and to you know to see how popular he is in Canada is super cool to see. And I hope he shows out in the ball game and continues that you know that ascension that he is you know he's had this season. So. We'll do the school. Let's get the score prediction out of the way real quick. What are you thinking for this one? The line is seven. I think over under was 53 and a half. Well, I, I, if you go listen to my bowl prediction pod on 10, 12, we did all the big 12 ones. Um, I think OSU, I think OSU wins. Gundy is nine and two, nine and four in bowl games. The bowl game losses, you go look at them. It's the Ole Miss game. It's the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss where they were just completely out talented and outmatched. Um, it's the 08 and 09 games. 08, Zach Robinson was a, a, a zombie. Like he was, he was weakened at Bernie's at that game, had no business playing in it. And it was obvious. 09, they just got 09 lost to Oregon in volleyball was the best thing that ever happened to Oklahoma State because Gundy walked away from it and said, We're not a physical enough team. And they became a more physical team. What's the only other bowl loss? Only other bowl uh, loss Cotton is, bowl. uh, Cotton Bowl 2013. God, because we can't beat. Mizzou. Ole Miss. Oh, that's the Mizzou oh, one. Oh, that was the Mizzou one. Either. That's the Mizzou one. That was a close one. That one I hated. I hated that loss. I hated it so much. We had no business losing that game, and they did. But did, look at those. That's, that's Holiday Bowl against a really good Oregon team. Uh, an Alamo Bowl against a Mississippi uh, – no, that was Ole Miss. Ole Miss team that – you know, OSU was just beat. It was like 21-7. The game was gross. You got I just these are this is the kind of game you go into lower tier bowl 
team that's supposed to be better than Oklahoma State, that OSU wins. OSU wins these bowl games every time because oh, and and this is it. OSU cares about bowl games. Gundy cares about bowl games. Okay, some coaches don't. Some teams don't because the coaches don't. Gundy is nine and four in bowl games because they care about the bowl games. Gundy, when when you have a head coach who reportedly we've never had this confirmed is is arguing about getting bowl banners in the practice facility, Gundy gives a shit about bowl games, not just going to them but winning them. Okay. They, I think they win this game. I, final score, man, I don't, I don't know. I have no feel on this game. It feels like a game that might be a little bit lower scoring. Um, I think OSU wins. Let's go 31-27, final score. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking somewhere in that range, probably. I'm going to go... I'll go 34-24. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. Just I don't have I a think place. It, I think A&M is a good team. I like, think we're so gonna too. Trash and stuff. Like the, the joke of the 7 and 5, but I do think they're a good team. I don't think Kellen Mond's very good. No, what I um, wasn't this supposed to be the year he was supposed to take like a huge step forward and be one of the yeah. you know, top 3 or 4 SEC quarterback. Yeah, that didn't happen. It hasn't it hasn't happened. Which I'm fine with. Like I don't. It there's no love loss with AM, like none. Like it doesn't hurt my feelings. But I'll All take right. Spencer. If if Spencer wasn't back, I think I'd pick AM. With Spencer back, I'll pick OSU. All right. So now the fun part. And it's a two parter this week because we don't know if Oklahoma State's wearing home or away jerseys. So give me a home and give me an away prediction here. Um If they're the home team, it's all black. I'm fine with that. I love that. Um, if they're the home team, I think they go all black uh, with orange brand, black face mask. If they're the road team, and it also depends on, I think sometimes they talk with the other team to see what they're doing. What did we do last year? All white? I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think they did all white last year. They've done all white a few times at bowl games. Um, well, because they did it in that. You know what? Let's. Just, I'm gonna be lazy. It's all black if it's a home, if they're the home team. All white if they're the road team. I, I, you know, I'm fine with it. So I'm gonna go. Man, it's tough. I'm gonna go black, black, white if they're the home team with mm. uh probably the eh, give me the badge. Why not? We haven't seen it a ton this year, or the uh the chrome OSU brand. And then oh, if they're yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and if they're the road team, give me give me white, white, orange with the full body peat. Okay, the Patriot peat. Yeah. So last year OSU did all white. Um, in the Camping World Bowl was white, black, white, all black in the Alamo Bowl, and then I think it was like. I think it was black, white, black in the Sugar Bowl. If I'm thinking right. Was it black, white, black in Camping World? It was white, black, white. Because they mm. were the home team against Virginia that's Tech. A, that's a good look. That was. Yeah, I'll just be lazy. I'll go all all black if they're home, all white if they're road. Because I have no feel there. It's just, I don't know which one it is. Like, I don't, I don't know. All right, well, we got our predictions, and do you have any final thoughts here? Uh, yeah, 
Huge shout-out to Glenn Spencer, former Oklahoma State defensive coordinator, uh, was the interim coach for FAU for the bowl game. They stomped, stomped SMU. I know it was a home game, but I don't care. They stomped SMU. And watching him get the Gatorade bath, knowing how much his players really vocal about him getting the job, obviously went to Willie Taggart. I, I think it's same with with Oklahoma State. Players love Glenn Spencer. Um, they love playing for him. They love him. They they care. I I wanted Glenn Spencer to work at Oklahoma State. It didn't. Like a change had to be made. That's just how it works. Um, love Glenn Spencer. Loved seeing that for him. And literally the next day, he was named the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at uh, at USF South Florida um, under their new head coach. I, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. I'm super pumped about that. It's fantastic news. Glenn Spencer is such an easy guy to root for. He really is. I was so excited to watch him you know, get that bowl win for his team at FAU, uh, for him to get that inter- be the interim for that game. I wish he would have gotten the head coaching job at FAU, but you know, I, I still feel like a head coaching job at some point in his future is not too far off. But It see- feels like it's coming. It's it kind yeah. of like with, with what happened there, if he continues, if he has a good run at USF, Something will. I feel like something will come up. Like it feels like a Georgia State, Georgia Southern, or like Georgia Southern kind of thing. Yeah, like, like a G five. Feel- but I feel like a head coaching job for sure. He like he's gonna get his at some point. Like he has to. I, if he wants one, I think he's gonna have an opportunity to get because his players love him. Like you see all the former Oklahoma State defensive players coming out on Twitter, um, who are all just talking about and congratulating him for the new job. So uh, players love him. Players love to play for him. I think he'll get a head coaching job at some point. Yeah. My final thought, uh, congratulations to Justice Hill getting his first career uh, rushing touchdown or just for a touchdown in general in the NFL today. And it went over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield got yelled at and flipped off by the crowd. Uh, you just hate to see that. No, he- no, <laughs> no, I even think I say that as sarcastically as I can because man, you just yeah, you hate to see stuff like that, man. Just nah, the crowd turning on a guy that's supposedly a leader, and wow, it's just wow, it's amazing. Um, uh, I I say that not so jokingly. I actually love to see that shit. Um, I'm gonna. I think we're gonna get out of here. I'm Phil. petty, and I have I'm petty, and I have no problem with it. Uh, no problem. Uh, we just need to let everybody know. Um, we are barring a. Chuba Thailand press conference announcing they're both coming back or both going to the NFL. Uh, we're probably done until after the new year. Yep, that's kind of so everybody is aware. Like I'm out of town for a large chunk of it. I'm tired, and we both need a break. Um, obviously there's plenty of basketball. I don't want to talk about the Minnesota loss and you know whatever. So uh, we're we're just there's gonna be a brief hiatus until after the new year, and then we'll be back and get to talk about the bowl game for a little bit. Lots of basketball to talk about. Um, that will probably some things on football recruiting, um, wrestling, baseball season's kicking back around. Like there's still gonna be a lot to talk about. So you yeah, football is obviously and it's crazy. Football season's almost over, man. We got only a couple more days of Oklahoma State football until last Oklahoma State game of the year. Feels like you know we just blinked, you know, doing the that reaction pod after the Oregon State game. It's been, that's it's what I said. A, that's what I said at the beginning of the season. It yeah. goes by so stupid fast. It does so stupid fast. All right. Well, to everyone listening, I hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, whatever you're celebrating. Have a great time with your family over the holidays. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? 
The only person at OKTXAR Poke. Go give the 1012 podcast a follow. Uh, TE and the 12 word podcast. Uh, we'll be taking a break there as well. So, um, But our Bowl Picks podcast is up. It's got all all six Big 12 games. So there's plenty of time to listen to it. And uh, we should have something fun out on Monday. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. So we'll be back in 2020 to start previewing the rest of Oklahoma State sports. And we'll give a recap of the Texas Bowl in there as well. Yeah, everyone have a happy holidays.